on today's podcast, we talk about five sketchy, sleazy marketing tactics that I used to use. I think all of us have at some point uh, that do not work, that guarantee death and destruction and no benefit whatsoever, and then how to flip them and some ways to think about it, ways to use them and better ways to think about marketing and five really good ways that promise that it works every single time. So we get into that in this short, succinct to the point episode and an update on our step challenge. So that's all we got. Let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Today, I'm going to make this one short. I'm going to make it punchy. We're going to talk about sleazy tactics, ways not to do them, and the right ways to do them with some examples. But because I got to close the loop, if you listen to last week's podcast, I'm in the middle of a step challenge with Ashley. But yesterday, I recorded the other episode. And then today, I decided to kick it. And I'm so proud of myself because by 10 a.m. this morning, I had 22,000 steps in. So I feel massively accomplished, massively educated because I managed to squeeze in like three more hours of audiobooks, but it was pretty good. So I'm going to keep this momentum going. So like I said, if you want to be connected with us on Garmin, I don't know how that works, but shoot me a DM on Instagram and we'll figure it out and then we can connect. So now let's get into it. I want today to be straight to the point. Let's tune the brain. Let's let's train the frequency into, okay, we exist in this world of business and marketing, and we have to exist in this world and do business in this world. But there's things that we're told, that we're taught, that sometimes we even become convinced that work, but they don't. There's science to prove they don't. There's results to prove they don't. And quite frankly, the only way to win the game is to do business the right way all the time. It makes it easy. It makes it integrous. Uh, but I want to call these out because I think they're important to talk about. And so we're going to get right through it. I'm going to give some examples. But I also kind of want you to paint some of your own. And one of my easy ways for you to think about this as we go through this is, is start asking yourself, like, how do you respond to marketing? How do you respond to messaging? How do you respond to things that you see? How do you respond to scarcity or tactics or bait and switch or clickbait? Like, how did those things resonate with you? And then on the inverse of that is like, what are the things that make you want to click? What are the things that make you feel safe? What are the things that make you want to lean in or consume somebody's content? And you tend to be the best barometer, even if you don't own the company and you work within one. It's a really, really good filter. So we decided to list out like five of the biggest ones that we see that are the sketchy and sleazy tactics that we've been around the block for years, myself included. I think I've used every one of these um, back in the day, a long, 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 long time ago. And I try to never use those again. Um, <laughs> but as I read these and I was outlining this, I was also like, yep, I did that. Yep. I learned that lesson. Yep. I learned the hard way. Yep. Don't ever do that again. But they're common and they're easy to fall into. Okay. So here we go. What are the five big sleazy ones that we see all the time? Number one, false scarcity. Number two, deceptive advertising. Number three, bait and switch. Number four, clickbait. And then number five, unwanted email marketing spam. Okay. Those are the five big ones that we see. 
And so let me explain what these ones are. So false scarcity. So first, I'm going to just go out on a limb and make a massive, massive book recommendation. Um, Alex Hermosi's book, $100 million offers, breaks this down at a level I've never seen when he talks about urgency and scarcity, right? But we've all seen false scarcity, right? How many times have you seen... the link for this price will expire in 59 minutes. Or how many times have you seen when you've gone back to the same website seven days in a row? There's only seven left, right? You see false scarcity happening all the time, right? False scarcity is creating a sense of urgency by falsely limiting, falsely limiting the availability of a product or service. This can pressure customers into making quick decisions they might regret. A thousand percent. And if you've never experienced this, you've seen somebody have the collateral damage of this, of people buying at the wrong time, being forced in, being tricked. But you also see this all the time. And the thing about scarcity, and I was actually reading a study about this this morning in relation to this podcast, is scarcity is only effective when it's given in minimum doses. And every time that it doesn't match, i.e. like there's no trust there or it doesn't fully fulfill what it was. Uh, it basically gets less and less effective, right? And you see this. You've seen this in businesses where you'll you'll be a part of a company and then you'll realize after the years that the only time they ever email you is sell, 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 sell. And it also conditions these behaviors and these patterns. And so false scarcity, bad, bad, bad. Don't do false scarcity, right? But there is also a difference between urgency and scarcity, right? And so I'm going to inverse this and give some examples on the other side. Number two, deceptive advertising. Using misleading or exaggerated claims and advertisements to manipulate consumer perceptions. This can involve false testimonials, before and after photos, or deceptive product descriptions. We see this one all the time. Number one, um, I see this a lot and I see people breaking laws, things that I didn't even know existed, especially in the physical product space um, and in the health space when it comes to claims on the internet, structure function claims, things like that, but also deceptive advertising in general. Here's the funny thing is that you can smell it a mile away. And unfortunately, it's really, really easy to fall into this trying to get people's attention, but you need to make sure that you're being crystal clear and congruent because this won't work. Number three, bait and switch. Advertising a product at a low price to attract customers, but then substituting it with a more expensive item once they're engaged. This is a dystonic tactic that undermines trust. We've seen this for years in the digital marketing space. You see this all the time. You see it a lot with lead magnets right here. Come give me your email and I'll give you the three tips to double your business. And then the moment you opt in, it's like, hey, but if you give me your credit card, uh, I'll get you the result a lot faster. Or one that I've seen a ton, like a ton, is people will buy a product or a service and then they'll get an upsell saying, hey, we know you bought that thing, but it's actually not as good as this other thing. So if you pay us more money, we'll give you the rest of the pieces, right? That's bait and switch. Nobody likes it. You've never liked when you've been told you're going to have one experience and you have another one. It creates inconsistency. It creates incongruency. It's bad news. Okay. Number four, clickbait. Creating sensational or misleading headlines or content to attract clicks. While clickbait might drive traffic, it often leads to disappointment for users who don't find the promised content. We have researched this ad nauseum, and I mean in the years of looking at email research and data and all of these things. Every single time this happens, it only negatively hurts the person doing it. When somebody is in an experience where something is clickbaity or sensationalized, and then when they click through, it doesn't match, 
that is not a good look and that does not leave the relationship neutral. It leaves it negative and one down. A lack of trust, a lack of safety, and it just conditions this behavior over and over and over again. And what's so crazy is even in the back in the day of like when we were so studying email and email subject lines, there were all these studies that were done on the best converting ones. And what's so funny is every single time the best converting subject lines were the straightforward ones that matched what was in the email. <clears throat> and so then the fifth and final sleazy, sleazy tactic is unwanted email marketing, i.e. spam, right? Sending unsolicited and irrelevant emails to individuals, often in bulk. This not only clutters inboxes, but can lead to negative perception of the brand, of the brand and potential legal issues. Not to mention it's illegal, right? There's so many laws when it comes to email. Um, like if you haven't emailed, if somebody hasn't opened or clicked, I think in 90 days due to canned spam, before you can email them again, you actually like have to get consent, right? And then the amount of people that buy lists and share lists, and then you have GDPR added in. Listen, it's not worth it. I've seen people sued, lose hundreds of thousands of dollars for doing business incorrectly, doing business the wrong way. And all of it was around email. Email marketing is like a invitation to be in somebody's kitchen or in their mailbox. And you need to treat it respectfully and not like the junk that people throw out in the mail. Okay. So I think we can all agree like those are all sleazy tactics and we know why we shouldn't use them besides the examples I gave. And so now after I sip my iced tea, I'm going to inverse it and let's talk about inversion theory and use the five positive ones on the other side. And these are really good ways to think, right? When you apply these to customer journey, when you apply them to marketing, when you apply them into anything that you're doing, they're just really good things to think about, right? So number one is authentic scarcity, right? Scarcity is a legitimate thing. Human beings respond to it. It is a biological function. It can be used to great, great, great benefit, but it can't be misused. And so I can't teach this better than Alex can. Alex and I have never even met, but I talk about his book all the time and I think we know of each other, but his book, $100 Million Offers, uh, Urgency, Scarcity, the way that it's broken down, if you don't read anything but that chapter alone, go read that. And also understand that it doesn't just apply to selling. It can apply to your content. It can apply to your podcast. It can apply to your lead magnet. It can apply to these things. But once you understand it and once you learn it, then it's up to you to know when to use that recipe and just know that when you're using these recipes, these are customers yours. These are people in your restaurant, right? And so you want to make sure that it matches their experience, right? And we've seen authentic scarcity. We use it. We, we legitimately cap our events at 70 tickets and we legitimately close ticket sales. And when ticket sales close, unfortunately, we mean they're closed because we have to give final counts, but we always get emails, four or five. Hey, I want a ticket. I want to come. And I'm like, we can't. Um, and we close the tickets. And so one of the benefits of using authentic scarcity, though, is that in order for it to be authentic is you also have to be integrous with it. You have to keep your word with the scarcity that you keep or else you have to renegotiate it or else it's a blemish. OK, so that's number one. Number two is transparent advertising. I'm just going to read this. Be honest and straightforward in all advertising efforts. Clearly communicate the benefits of a product or service without resorting to exaggeration or deceptive tactics. The only thing that you're going to do is if you make false claims is set yourself up to fail when people don't get them. Be really honest with people. People know that things are realistic. They know it takes time. They know it takes progress, right? It doesn't help us when we over-exaggerate, but be honest, be transparent, right? A tangible example in this is a couple supplement companies I was involved with. 
one of the best conversion tactics we ever had is we had this one supplement that had a very large pill and we went very directly at it. We're like, these pills are huge. They're horse pills. And we got very direct on our product page and our advertising. And it actually increased sales and decreased returns to a massive, massive financial benefit because of how transparent we were. People need to feel safe in order to make a decision. In order to do that, you have to build a relationship with them. You have to be honest with them. You have to be open with them. And that's where transparent advertising comes in. Okay. So then the third way to not be sleazy is value-oriented marketing, right? This is what we talk about. This is what we consume. We we uh, That's everything that we exist here. So we know what that is. But what that is really defined as is emphasize the value of a product or service rather than focusing on low prices. Showcase the benefits and quality to attract customers genuinely interested in what you have to offer. If you compete on price, you sell on price, you're just racing to the bottom, right? And, and we see this all the time, but like in the world of e-commerce, the companies that win use perceived value. And I'll never forget this. I watched a company on Black Friday never discount their products, but they would bundle other products and increase the perceived value which actually made them more money and gave the person a discount by giving them more of their other products. It was it was genius, but it, it's really based on value and perceived value and not price. And it's so easy and so quick to be like, oh, I'll just drop the price or we'll just compete on everybody, but you're not going to like the results. Nobody, nobody, nobody values the thing that they chase the price to the bottom. They're looking for the best deal. You need to be value oriented. You need to be able to speak to where they're going to go and what they're going to achieve and how they're going to get there and not sell the price. You're not trying to sell the price. One of the things that you have to think about is that it's always about fit, not force, right? And and really the price should just be, a, yep, here's my investment ready to go. It should never be the decision point. Things should be made before then. And if it is constantly an objection, it might be something to look at. But I would say that you don't ever want to be in the game of discount here, discount here, discount here, discount here. We've watched it kill companies, decimate companies, and you're just not going to appreciate the benefit of it. So focus on the value of the product or service. Where are they going to go? What is the after state? What are they going to feel? What are they going to achieve? I just did a podcast with Fabi. And she talked about this and she's like, when you can articulate to somebody what's causing their problems, they're in forever. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways to think about value-oriented marketing is when you can explain to somebody that you have a product or service that can help, but you know why they're struggling with what they're struggling or what caused it. They're in. They feel safe. They feel seen. That's value. Okay. That brings us to the fourth one, which is engaging content marketing. Create compelling and truthful content that genuinely captures the audience's interest. Provide valuable information and avoid sensationalism to create trust and credibility. This is a long game and it's also a game of consistency. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we've seen so many examples and we've seen people build brands and millions and millions of followers and then go launch a t-shirt and not sell 30 of them. And you can post cat memes all day, but the moment you go try to sell your product, it's not going to work because it's not the right buyer. It's not the right relationship. It's not the right audience. And so you need to take all of these things into account and understand that every single piece of content that you're putting out there is either attracting more of the right person or more of the wrong person. And the ability to do that comes down to you creating engaging content, knowing your avatar, adding value giving them things of value, letting them see what the experience is like with you. These are all the things that we talk about on this podcast. 
but you have to build relationships. And in, for me, look at the content that you consume. If you're making a decision to buy a course, right? Before you buy that course from somebody, what do you do? Do you consume their content? Do you look for things for free? Do you pick up their vibe, right? Before you go buy a product that you have been checking out, what do you go look for? Do you go collect evidence? Do you go look at their content, right? You consume the same way that you need to create. So create engaging content that's actually a value and creates connection points so that people can see that you're there to help them. I say this all the time. Nike's billboard doesn't say just do it only if you are running shoes. Your business doesn't exist only if people buy from you. It exists to help people. And then as a byproduct, they might and will buy from you and tell other people. But your content is the bloodline to be able to do that. So make it engaging, make it valuable, make it real, which brings us to the fifth one. Email marketing, opt-in email marketing. Build an email list or any list where you own the relationship that is individuals who have willingly opted to receive information from your brand. Provide valuable content and offers relevant to their interests, respecting their time and preferences. And if somebody doesn't want to be on your email list anymore, that's okay. Let them go and they might come back. But remember, there's no benefit to having 75,000 emails that don't open your emails or that don't get clicked on or that only get sent sold stuff. Your business is a family. It's a relationship. The people that are in your business are a part of that ecosystem. And you want people in that ecosystem that are going to engage. You don't want to force them. You don't want to try to trick them. An email is still an incredibly powerful tool and it's beneficial, but we all know what our relationship with email is. Your own relationship with email, your inbox, right? How you consume. There's a few emails that you go look for that you're excited about, but then there's a whole lot that are trash that you delete and you don't ever want to be those, right? And so make sure that when you're building an email list, when you're building a brand, when you're getting people to opt in and join text lists and community-based lists, that you're doing it for the reasons other than just bait and switching them or the other things that are on this list. If you build a valuable-based community, irregardless of the medium, that community will serve and support you. They will tell you what you need to make. They will give you feedback. They will ask you questions. They will support you. They will engage with your social content. But it has to be a relationship and it cannot be transactional. And any of these sleazy tactics get in the way of people accomplishing what it is we want them to, which is getting results with what we're giving them, which then creates relationships and then they create referrals and they buy more and they bring more people in. And that's how the game goes. And so I would like to believe that no one still does these, but we all do. And I fall victim to them and even fall victim to thinking of them sometimes. Like, what if we did this? And what if we did that? If What if we discounted that? And... As crazy as it is, it's completely normal. I used to do all these, but none of them work. And we still think like this. And it's a busy world. It's noisy. There's a lot going on. But I promise you, if you stick to the basics, if you stick to the principles, if you do not commit these tactics, these sleazy, sleazy tactics in any way, and you flip them and just plug the holes and apply the rest, it can only be beneficial. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'm going to wrap so I can go get some more steps in today and see if I can make it my best step day, which I think I'm going to. So uh, I look forward to hearing from you. I'm really, really stoked about the step challenge, about this podcast, about some of you DMing me to get in on this with me. And uh, I figured out that all you have to do is say the word challenge to me and I respond really well and get really, really excited. So I challenge all of you to never implore any of these five sleazy tactics and to do the rest. And I can't wait to hear from you. Have an absolutely beautiful day. I love you to pieces. 
Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, we're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.